So let's read the scriptures. We're going to read the scriptures from Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to, the, to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the, thing, the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he, as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward the evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while, we, while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we pray for your spirit to illuminate us as we hear your word through your servant. I pray that, Lord, it would be you speaking in and through him, Father. We thank you for being able to be before your presence as a body, listening to what you have to speak to us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. How are we doing this morning? Good. Merry Christmas. Yeah, there we go. That's great. Uh, well, we're in a series that we've simply called Emmanuel, and if you weren't here last week with us, Emmanuel simply means this, God with us. Say that with me, God with us. That's what it means. And, and Christmas is one of those times that we can get caught up in all the hubbub of, of what the holiday brings and the celebration brings that we can simply miss out on God being right under our nose. You know, I was reminded this week of, of something that was like right in front of me, uh, but I couldn't find it. Have you ever had that happen before? 
Maybe it's your car keys. That's a good one, right? When you're running late to work, you can't find your car keys. Um, or maybe it's your toothbrush. For instance, this week, uh, I had an early morning meeting, and I was, uh, you know, getting ready in the, the bathroom and ready to go uh, to my meeting. And the last finishing touch of uh, my preparation was to brush my teeth. And so I could not find my toothbrush. I had a decision to make in that moment. I could simply leave the house and breathe out the breath of a thousand dumpsters on the subjects of my first meeting, or I could do the makeshift finger toothbrush, index finger toothbrush, which basically does nothing at all, right? So I chose neither of those. Instead, I picked up what appeared to be a purple toothbrush, which was not mine, and quickly did what I needed to do and walked out of the house. That toothbrush just happened to be Megan's. So uh, anyway, babe, I'm going to get you a new one, I promise. Something real nice. I'll get you a good one. It'll be good. So later that day in my guilt, I went back and uh, looked for my toothbrush again, and it just so happened that it was in the travel case right where it belonged. Anyway, that happens to us, doesn't it? it today what we're, we're looking at is, is something very similar to this. Not the toothbrush thing, but something being right under our nose and not being able to see it. Now Christmas... It's about Jesus being with us. These two disciples, we're, we're looking at Luke 24 today, which is not the Christmas story. It's like the, the resurrection story instead. And, and what we notice is that, that um, when, when, Jesus, when we don't interpret uh, Jesus' coming through his resurrection, we miss out on the real reason that we celebrate today. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, we are like these two disciples in Emmaus that, that simply walk away grieving at the, at the suspect of what, what's happened with Jesus. So, so these two guys um, are walking uh, home from Jerusalem right after the Passover feast. And this year it was a little more somber than others because Jesus had been crucified by his, his own people. And, and about 15 minutes into their seven-mile walk to Emmaus, um, this, this person appears with them. But they don't really recognize them. He's just asking questions of them, and they can't figure out what's going on. They're, they're kind of tuned into their own conversation, and they, they can't notice that Emmanuel is right there with them. They, these guys had heard about Jesus. They would talked about Jesus. They had probably even celebrated Jesus, much like we might do on Christmas. But they did not know Jesus at the deepest level, at this, this gospel lover through the resurrection as I said a second ago, the birth of Jesus is only significant because of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, we still live hopeless lives that, that may last 80 years or so if we're, if we're lucky. And then at the, at the end of our lives, it all goes back in the box like a game of Monopoly. That's what happens when you don't have the hope of the resurrection in your life. Christmas is, is anything but joyful because there's no hope after this life. But, but here's the catch. You and I don't have the opportunity that these two men walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus have. To, to literally walk with Jesus step and step. See his hands. Hear his footsteps. Take in a meal with him. We don't have that opportunity. And as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, that means that we have to walk by faith. Because we're not able to walk by sight as the first apostles have. Now, now here's the tension for you this morning as we think about Christmas, as we think about Jesus 
coming. As we think about Jesus raising from the dead, are you in a position where you're walking by faith this morning? In a place where you're walking by faith, not what is seen, not what you can make sense of in your life, but what is unseen, as the scriptures tell us. Are, are you considering the fact that you might not be able to see the full picture in your life? That there might be more going on than what is at hand right in front of you this morning. So what do we need, church? We need awakening. We need awakening to this sense of Emmanuel, of God being with us. And when that happens, just as these disciples that are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus discuss, our hearts burn within us. They're, they're kindled. They're ignited by something that is outside of us because Jesus is actually with us. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning through this. So I have a couple of points I want to make about that. Uh, the first one is this. Jesus is drawn to honest community. Let me say it again. Jesus is drawn to honest community. But let's just read quickly the first part of that text again. And, and what's going on with these guys? It starts in Luke 24, verse 13. That very day, two of them were walking uh, to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they were walking with each other, they were talking about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still and they said, hey, are you, are you the only one in Jerusalem that hasn't heard what's going on? I mean, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in word and deed, before God and all the people, and he was crucified. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. That, that, there's where it settles in for us, church. The disappointment settles in that, that Jesus doesn't seem to be the one that we expected him to be. That he's with us, but we can't see him. We, we had thought that he was the one to redeem Israel. And, and yes, besides all this, it's been three days since this happened, which basically meant this. There's no hope. I mean, he's in the ground. He's not raising from the dead. It's been three days. And so, so the scene opens with, with Cleopas, who's this well-known man, uh, and this, some other uh, unknown guy walking on this road. And uh, they're coming home from the Passover feast, but they're also kind of celebrating, or not celebrating, commemorating Jesus in a, in a funeral. Um, and, and, and really, the final grief for them is, is setting in. And it's like this. Maybe, maybe it's familiar to you. Another day... Another disappointment. I thought this script was going to play out a little differently, but it seems to be the same old, same old. And, and so these guys kind of make a radical decision that, that they're not just going to keep it in. They're not just going to sweep it under the rug. They're going to talk about their disappointment. They're, they're going to talk about uh, with one another what their hearts had hoped for, but yet it didn't happen. Now, that, that's a radical move to make because you're putting yourself out there. You, you're saying, I, I'd hope Jesus would have been this, but he's not. So we still are people without a hope. They, they had this hope of new life in their hearts, but their dreams seemed to be shattered and dashed by the reality that, that Jesus likely wasn't who he says that he was. He was another false prophet. But, but what it would mean for them would be that they'd have to go back to the fishing nets, back to the tax booths, and, and even more than that, back to life with more questions than answers. But they're talking about it. 
And they're going there. And they could have blown it under the rug. They could have talked about who was playing in the college football bowl games this weekend. They could have just had small talk, but they're talking about their grief and their disappointment. And I find it very interesting that the Scriptures tell us that these are the first people that Jesus reveals himself to in his resurrection. Not these giants of the faith, but these doubters. These guys that don't have it all together who are talking about their disappointments and seem to have little faith. But Jesus is with them. Jesus' church invites us to live honestly before him and with one another. Like we, we have the opportunity to live honestly before him. And most of us don't take that opportunity because we think it won't do any good or we think that God will not be with us in the midst of our struggle. And so we just fake it until we make it. And so our circumstances get better, and then we'll bless God for it. We have a hard time seeing him in the middle of the difficulty and the pain. Now, now let that set in. Do you think the same thing might be possible in your own life? Have you opened yourself up to Jesus? Have you noticed Jesus drawing near to you on the journey like these two men? They couldn't see it at first. Jesus had to open their eyes to see it. Have you let him draw near to you through prayer, through the community of people that are around you? Are you just a lone ranger going at this alone? Because Jesus invites, he invites himself into that journey with us. He wants to walk with us in that. Now maybe you're in a trying season. Maybe it's been a tough year. You're looking back on 2018 and you're thinking, man, this has not been a good year. Things aren't getting better in my life. This trajectory that I plan to be on doesn't seem to be shaping up the way that I had anticipated it going. Maybe you just don't really care about Jesus. You're just kind of numb to the whole Christmas thing, the whole Jesus thing. This is all just something you just kind of, it's a, it's a holiday festive thing that you partake in. Or maybe you've been running with your own plan for a while and you found yourself confronted by the prospect of Jesus somehow opening your eyes to connect two things. And that's this, the brokenness of your life with the wholeness of his redemption. Jesus' church came as Emmanuel to be God with us, to connect the brokenness of our life to the wholeness of his redemption. Now, we don't get to decide how that plays out on this earth, but in eternity, the promise is this. There'll be no more pain, there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more grief because we will be in the presence of Jesus all the time. We won't have to doubt whether he's with us or not. Emmanuel will be our name because he'll be with us all of the time. We'll be with Jesus all of the time. Now, one thing is certain, these two guys don't see the risen Jesus initially. They just keep going on about life the same way. Now, we've got to do something, however, with a, a sinless man that claims to die for our sins, that that claims to live a perfect life and does live a perfect life and dies a sinner's death and he raises. You've got to do something with that. I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you just came with your, uh, with your family to see the cute kids sing. And by the way, how can I follow that? <laughs> right? I mean, it's amazing. It's great. Um, maybe, maybe you're just here. Maybe you're just kicking the tires on this Jesus thing. But I will say this. If Jesus really did raise from the dead, and not only is that in the scripture, but that's historical fact. If that really happened and he claimed to do it for you, you got to do something with it. you, you got to do something with the fact that a man claimed to die for you, who lived the life you couldn't live and died the death you deserved to, 
to die. You've got to do something with it. You can't remain neutral on it. Now, the second thing that we see happening here as we wrap up is this, that Jesus opens our eyes to set our hearts ablaze. Let's just quickly look at the second half of this passage in Luke 24, starting in verse 25. So, so he says to these two disciples, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary? Did this not have to happen, guys? That Christ should suffer and enter into his, his glory. And then, listen to this, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. So think about this. Thinking through their whole story as a people, he begins to make sense and connect the dots for them. He interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So they drew near to this village, to Emmaus, and, and uh, he acted as if he was going further. Jesus playing a little practical joke on him, you know. Hey, I'm going further, guys. But what he does, what they say is, Jesus, you got to stay with us. Like now that we're beginning to see you through the scriptures, we're beginning to connect the dots of our lives. That redemption might be possible. We don't want you to leave us. You find it interesting that Jesus says at the end of his commission that he gives to his disciples, he gives them this promise, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Now, I think that's our greatest fear as Christians. Like, what if this whole thing isn't, isn't real? Like, what if Jesus really has forsaken us? What if we're really alone and we get to the end of our lives and we realize it was all a sham? It was all hoax. Jesus is with us. And he shows that to us through his word. And these disciples respond as their hearts are being opened like a flower in bloom to make sense of all that is happening. And Jesus made himself known to them as they had a meal and they saw him as he was after he had opened the word to them. And then he just vanishes from their midst. And then these two guys say this, hey, didn't our hearts burn within us? Weren't they just kindled? Weren't they like ignited like a, like a campfire that never goes out, like an eternal flame? Didn't something happen inside of us when we saw Jesus was still with us, that he was real? Didn't something happen? And I, I think this is the natural response of the one who's had their heart open to Jesus. Because you just have this burning. Now, it might not be as bright and as strong as you'd like it to be all the time, but there's this constant flame and kindling of Jesus living inside of you. Now, so on this road, Jesus starts connecting the dots for these two pilgrims here. And they realize that the whole thing was pointing to Jesus the whole time. That it wasn't just this genealogy of all these super sinful Gentiles who got grafted into Jesus' family tree and all of this crazy sin that, that we've talked about as we looked at the, the book of Ruth. But it was all pointing to Jesus the whole time. Now, C.S. Lewis says it, says it beautifully uh, in his work, The Weight of Glory. He says this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Now, for these two guys... It wasn't about just looking back on, hey, remember that time we kicked it with Jesus on the road to Emmaus? It wasn't about that. It was about a new paradigm, a new way of being able to live, looking through the lens of resurrection, that Jesus is with us, that he will be with us, that he sent his spirit to remind us that he's with us. 
That we get to look at life through a different set of glasses if we're Christians. And we need to be reminded of that daily. He connects this story to the gospel. And the, the gospel, if you're unfamiliar with it, is this message of good news. That's what it means. And, and God comes to us when we can't come to Him. God meets us when we can't meet Him. That God sees us when we can't see Him. That even though our sins are as endless and deep as the ocean, that Jesus has come to reconcile us back in an even deeper wave of grace that washes over us continuously. That, that, our, that our record now is based on what Jesus has done and the way that he's lived his life instead of what we've accumulated on our own. And that's the best news that you could ever hear. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we celebrate Jesus, because he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. So, so how do we have our eyes open to see Jesus as king, risen and reigning with us? Well, these disciples, their eyes were opened through the word. The word of God is, is the, the logos, God with us, God in us, God through us, God around us. We get to see all that he is in his glory as we read his word. Now, if you read the Bible without the Holy Spirit, it's just like reading another book, a historical book, a, great, a greatly written book. But when you read it with the lens of the, the Holy Spirit alive in you, your hearts are kindled because you realize that it's your story. You realize that every page was written for you, for your condition, for your struggle with what you're going through right now. And so as we, as we close this today, I want to just ask you, is your heart burning? Is your heart burning with the love of Christ living inside of you that outlasts anything that we will accumulate or do on this earth? Because that is the invitation for us today is to celebrate Christmas with hearts that are aflame with the love of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, I, I just thank you for, for your word. I thank you that, that while we were still a long way off, that you came to us. I'm thankful that the first people that you revealed yourself to in the scriptures were two doubting, cynical men that were on the brink of depression. That tells us about your nature. That tells us about the hearts that you open, God. Because those hearts are our hearts. So Father, would you do a work in us this morning? Even for those that, that feel just a long way off from you this morning. Maybe that have never met you. That haven't noticed you and seen you all around them working in their lives. Would you meet us in a miraculous way this morning, because that's what happens when you open hearts. When our hearts burn, you've done a miracle to open our eyes to your word. And we thank you that that's possible through your spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.